We all have questions. Questions like, why is it called a building if it's already built? Why is there no egg in eggplant? And do penguins have knees? But some questions are more important than others. A couple weeks ago, we gave a survey to find your most asked questions. Questions like, how do I hear God's voice? How can I deal with difficult people? What does the Bible say about forgiveness in heaven? And what's the answer for all of my stress? Every week we are going to answer your most asked questions and discover God's best plan because you asked for it. Well, good morning, Celebration Church, all of our campuses, Stevens Point, Appleton, Green Bay. Can you stand up wherever you are at? And can we put our hands together. Let's welcome all of our church family here today. Welcome. Welcome. Good to have everybody here, those joining us online. Good to have you. Uh, let's all say this together. This is what we believe here at Celebration Church. Let's all join together. We believe in God, the Father Almighty the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it is great to have you with us and welcome. My name is Bob, one of the pastors at Celebration Church, and it's great to have each and every one of you with us. We are wrapping up our series today called You Asked For It. And <clears throat> in week one, uh, Pastor Phil talked about uh, how, how do I succeed in my relationships? And, uh, and we did that. And then week two, Pastor Mark talked about how to deal with difficult people. And I would encourage you, if you've not caught the first two parts of our series, to go back and watch it and to catch up. And today, we are continuing as we close out with this question right here, how do I handle my stress? At every single one of our campuses, if you got a little stress in your life, can you raise your hand? Yeah, people got stress all over the room. People got some stress in their lives, and uh, you can probably relate to this. So I thought I'd kind of start off talking about where some of this stress comes from and uh, see if you can relate to any of this. Uh, stress can come a lot of times from our relationships, and that's what the first two parts of our series was all about. Relationships can cause us a lot of stress in our lives. Here, here's another one, conflict. You get some conflict going on where there's something's not quite right, you know, there's some conflict going on that can be pretty stressful for people to deal with. Uh, some of you might say, it's that person I'm sitting right next to, and that's why I'm stressed. If that's you, don't raise your hand. Say, that's a person I'm sitting right next to. I'm stressed because I'm married. And then there's a whole other group of people that say, man, I'm stressed because I'm not married, right? You're still looking for that special someone, and you're all stressed out because you're single and you're not married. Uh, here's one. 
deadlines, right? Uh, I remember this in high school. I remember this in college where you've got a big exam coming up and you're all stressed out because you're in school. I've got uh, four kids now. They're all in school. And my oldest just started seventh grade. He's 13. So next week is his first week of taking finals. And, you know, that can kind of stress you out as you're preparing to take these long exams. And we can stress out over deadlines. Here's one legal problems, right? Anyone that's been through legal problems can understand the stress that can cause in your life. Uh, For some, it's the new job. You say, I got this new job or I got this new promotion, but now you're all stressed out because you're trying to figure out how to do this new thing in your life and it can cause some stress. And then the other people would say, it's not the new job, it's that old job, right? This old job I'm in, I gotta find a new job because this old job's stressing me out. Here's one, uh, illness, right? If you've ever encountered a serious illness, man, for me, a serious illness is the common cold called the man flu, right? The man cold. But for some, it's serious, man. You, You come across a diagnosis like cancer in you or in someone you love, and that can cause some serious stress in your lives. Uh, here's one, expectations of others. Uh, Others can put expectations on you that are unrealistic or you're not prepared to meet, and it can cause a lot of stress. Man, I've been guilty of doing this to people. I've been guilty of doing this to people I work with. I've been guilty of doing this with my own family, my wife and my kids, putting unrealistic expectations on people, and it can cause a lot of stress. Here's another one, unresolved sin. Let me just pause and say, if you walked in here today and you've got unresolved sin in your life, it will eat you alive and it'll cause stress in your life. And we're at the end of every service, we take communion. It's an opportunity to examine your life, to say, where am I at? And deal with unresolved sin in your life. Don't leave church without dealing with that. And then last but not least, getting detained by customs officials. Now I'm speaking from experience. So it's a story time now. So uh, 29 of us just got back from Myanmar. We went on a missions trip and, and we're going and we're in Chicago, we're in O'Hare and we're getting ready to get on the plane. And some of the people, they've never traveled internationally. Others have never traveled like this. There's 29 of us. You're trying to keep track of everybody. I lose count of who's getting on the airplane. So I decide that my daughter and I are going to stick around. She's 10 years old. We'll stick around, and we will see and make sure that everyone got on the plane. So we're standing there, and, uh, man, they're wanting to lock the gates. They don't want to let anybody else on the plane, and the ladies at the desk aren't telling me if everybody got on. They said, you're just going to have to wait until the end, and then we can kind of let you know if there's anybody missing. So we're waiting until the end, and finally they say, hey, you got to get on. I'm like, well, is there anybody missing? And they said, there's still three people other than you. There's two in business class and one connecting through Atlanta. Does that sound like your party? And I said, no, it doesn't sound like any of us. And they said, you got to run because they are going to slam those gates and you're not going to make your flight. Now, there's no more flights going to Myanmar, right? So this is the one we got to catch and the whole team is on the plane and I got all the money. Now, when you go to Myanmar, you got to have a lot of money. Because when you got 29 people, they don't accept credit card. They only take cash. And in Myanmar, they want U.S. dollars. They want them crisp. They want them unmarked. And they only want $100 bills. So I got piles of $100 bills in my backpack, all right? 
So we're getting on the plane and we're running and I've got my backpack and my, my carry-on suitcase and my daughter and I are running down the jet bridge and there stand three customs officials in, clo in their clothing and a dog. Now the dog comes up and starts to sniff my backpack and I figure, well, it's the job of the dog. They're sniffing backpacks, right? So they sniff my backpack and he sniffs it a little bit and I figured, yeah, that's his job, he did it. And then they stopped me, they said, hold on a second. I thought, oh, that's right, I brought all these almonds with me. They must, the dog must smell my almonds. He, wants my, he wants, doesn't want me to bring food overseas. So I thought, well, you can take my almonds, throw them away. I got to get on this plane, right? So they, the dog does this thing where he's like, mm, 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 and does this thing with his tail, and then he sits down. <laughs> and they immediately say, how much money do you have in your backpack? To which I reply, a lot. <laughs> and... And they said, you know, if you've got over a certain amount, you have to declare it. And I said, uh, yeah, I guess I, I know that. Honestly, I just, I wasn't thinking about it. It's not all my money. It's to cover the expenses of 29 of us that are going on a missions trip to Myanmar. They only accept cash, blah, blah, blah. And they said, well, that's, that's no excuse. Come over here. So they bring me over, and then this, the boss lady shows up. Now, she's in street clothes. And they go through all of my things, and they start counting all my money bill by bill. And they're counting it, and the longer they're counting it, the, they, they start getting on the speaker and saying, we're still waiting on two people to get on the plane, and uh, everyone hold tight, we will take off shortly. I mean, they are putting the pressure on us. So my daughter eventually starts crying. She's standing there, I put my arms around her, I said, baby, don't worry, they, these nice people just wanna count the money, and they're just making sure we have the right amount, and then they're gonna let us on the plane, you know? Don't worry. Well, the, the, these customs officials are not reassuring us in the same way. So uh, eventually they say, well, hey, little girl, why don't you come over here and pet the nice puppy? So she comes over and pets the puppy, and I think they start asking questions like, who's this man you're with with a backpack full of money? <laughs> and I need to connect to this again. Excuse me. Boom, boom, boom. We're in. They start saying, so, so we get all of this uh, sorted out, and eventually they let me back on the plane. They had to call the supervisors, the higher-ups. They eventually let me on the plane. We're running on. We sit down. I call my wife and I said, Dana, good news is we're on the plane. Bad news is I almost got arrested. <laughs> so I tell her the story and she said, well, you wouldn't believe what just happened to me over the past 15 minutes. And in 15 minutes, I almost got arrested. My car got two flat tires. My wife was on her way to a class reunion and her flight gets delayed and now it's canceled and she has to fly out early the next morning. The dogs escaped. The power went out in our house because the neighbor's tree fell down and took out our power. And they said they're only coming over at 1130 at night and they'll work till two in the morning. But Dana, you gotta stay awake so we can work on the power. My wife's got to catch an early flight, and she almost ran out of gas, filling up the car so that the babysitter would have gas in the car. This all happened in 15 minutes. How many of you know that's a little bit of stress? <laughs> you know, sometimes it can be a lot of these little things that are, can kind of make you laugh at the end, but sometimes it's the big things in life that stress you out. And you know what? The Bible actually has a lot to say about it. The Bible talks a lot about it. In fact, Jesus promised that you'd have some trouble in your life. And I think sometimes people get the promises of God all wrong. They think if I just prayed enough, if I just read the Bible enough, if I just went to church enough, then surely I wouldn't have any trouble. But Jesus says it's exactly the opposite of that. He promised that everything would go wrong. 
said it this way in John chapter 16. He said, I told you these things so that in me you may have peace. We're going to talk today about how to have peace in the middle of whatever it is you're going through. It says, in this world you will have trouble. He says, trouble, just so you know, it's going to happen. And the God solution isn't to take all the trouble out of your life. It's that you could have peace in the middle of whatever it is you're going through, in the middle of your circumstances. Here's another verse in Psalm chapter 34. It says, many, not few, not one, just a couple, but many are the afflictions of the righteous. So the righteous people that are living rightly, people that are trying to do the right things, that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from the, them all. And we would say, you know, hey, God, if I'm doing all these things, then why am I going through this? And unfortunately, that's not accurate theology. The reality is that the purpose of getting in your Bible, the purpose of prayer, the reason why we say go to church, every opportunity you get, we do these things so that we can create the atmosphere for God to deliver us from them all, that no matter what it is you're going through, that you can encounter the peace of God. The closer you get to the Lord, the more capacity you have to stand and strong in the middle of whatever it is you're facing. So today, I wanna help you with that, and I wanna give you some promises from Scripture that can help us along with that. So I'm gonna jump into Psalm chapter 62. It's kind of our, our key text for this, and I would love it if we can all read this together at all of our campuses, all of our locations. Join with me, let's say this. Say, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. We continue on. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times. O people, pour your hearts out to him, for God is our refuge, period. And then it gives us this little word, this Hebrew word, selah. And it's this Hebrew musical term that means to pause, to reflect, and to think upon these things. Basically, at all of our campuses, we just got done singing songs, right? It would be like, hey, band, we just got done singing this song. Would you play it through one more time so that we can think upon the words that we just sang? So the Bible's saying, think upon these things so that you can have peace in your life. And then it goes on, and I'll read this. It says, low-born men are but a breath. Basically, every day, average people are but a breath. James would say it this way, that life is like a mist, that it's here today and it's gone tomorrow, that life is short. So for low-born men, these average, everyday people, life is like that. It's like a breath. It's here right now, and it's gone in a moment. goes on to say, the highborn are but a lie. So those that we would say have achieved earthly success, that even that is a lie. Because a lot of us would look and say, man, those people that have achieved earthly success, those that have found success in business, and they've got money, and they've got the house, and the car, and the wife, and all of these things, we would say, man, they have found success. Chances are they may be more miserable than you are. The Bible says it's but a lie, that we're never going to find it in the things of this world. And it says if they were weighed on a balance, they are nothing. So if you weighed it, 
that, that the life is still out of balance. And it goes on and says, together they are only but a breath. So both of them, the average and the successful, both of them have the same condition. It's that their time is short, that it's like a mist. And then it goes on from this topic to one more, and it says, don't trust in extortions or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, don't have your hearts set on them. So don't think that the stuff of this earth, things are going to make you happy. So here, David, the writer, gives us two of the top three causes of stress. And I think the number one is relationships, which we talked about in week one and week two. But the other two he gives us in this are brought up in Psalm 62. And the first one he brought up is that your life is being weighed, like on a scale, that it's here right now and it's gone in a moment that it's just like a breath. And it's this issue right here. It's time. Time is one of the things that somehow, some way, we are going to have to get a grasp on how we spend our time. And let me just say it as clear and as plain as I can. There are some here today that you can't keep doing everything that you're doing right now. It's just too much. You're taking on too much and you need to make some course adjustments in your life. And until we come to the place and say, I'm going to figure out what my life is really all about and I'm going to focus my time and I'm going to focus my energy on those things and stop doing all of the other things that aren't contributing to my purpose, if you don't do that, you're going to go to a place where you're more stressed, you can burn out, you can go into depression, and all of these things can take place. I wanted to share a little section as I was preparing. Uh, there's this book by a pastor named Wayne Cordero. It's called Leading on Empty. And uh, he kind of gives this idea of figuring out what your life is all about. He calls it the most important 5%. The most important 5%, he says this, if you and I are going to enjoy healing and rest at our very core, we must discover and discern the top 5% of life. 85% of what we do, anyone can do. Checking email, answering messages, attending meetings, reading, newspaper, reading the newspaper or trade journals, and making simple decisions. Many of these tasks don't require an elite expertise or specialized skill. Many of these tasks can be delegated to others so we can concentrate on what's most important to the job we have been given to do. 10% of what we do, someone with just a little bit of training should be able to accomplish. After all, if we were trained to do what we do, someone else of like capacity could learn how to run the computer program, solve the problem, lead the meeting, or do the tasks that we do. With appropriate schooling and experience, Someone can perform a surgery, manage an engineering project, or sell real estate. Certain aspects of these activities can be assigned to trained individuals. But 5% of what I do, only I can do. This is the most important 5% for me. I can't delegate these initiatives to anyone else. I can't hire someone else to take my place in any of these activities because they require that I be there. This 5% will determine the validity of the other 95%.
This is what I had to discover and make the epicenter of my life. And just pausing, this is something I'm learning how to do. This is something we all need to learn how to do, to focus in on what matters most. It says this, reading on, it says, my 5% may differ from yours, but the principle is transferable to everyone. Married, single, widowed, old, or young. It is true for those with children, empty nesters, or young couples just starting out in life. I had to rethink what was most important to me, what God had asked me to do, how I would restructure my life to concentrate on these principles in my final stretch. I had to think what my last 5% would include. What were the things that only I could do and if neglected would affect the rest of my life? Here are the responsibilities I wrote down. Number one, a vibrant, growing relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Number two, a healthy and genuine relationship with my spouse. Number three, an authentic family that is close to God and close to one another. Four, a God-pleasing ministry. Five, a physically healthy body and a creative soul. Six, enjoying time or enjoying time, taking time to enjoy life with family and with friends. These six items require a daily investment of my time and heart. In fact, the condition of these six items will to a large extent determine the state of the rest of my life. If these areas are compromised, the consequences will be felt in other areas. If this 5% fell into disrespair or neglect, it will, my life will come to a grinding halt until these priorities were once again restored. We often fill our days with the 85% because it requires so little of us. Then we dip into the next 10%. But during this season, maybe you're gaining stress, maybe you've become depressed, maybe you're facing burnout, whatever it is, that drains you completely. I had nothing left for the crucial 5% knowing that this would require the most of me. And the crucial 5% is what God will one day hold you accountable for. It is not necessarily the 85% that will shape your future or the 10% that will build your legacy. It may impress the world, it may burnish your resume, but it won't impress God as much as the all-important 5%. Your choice of what is most important will shape your soul. We won't be held accountable for how much we have done, but for how much we have done with what he has asked us to do. What makes up your most important 5%? Identify them, write them down. And then skipping ahead, it says this. Nothing becomes a life change until you assign the highest value you can to it. Your faith, your marriage, your family, and your health have to not only be your top priorities, but higher priorities than anything else, including work, money, promotion, or position. If we are going to succeed in our lives, we need to figure out what is most important in our life. There's a story from the Bible that kind of talks about this. Uh, it's a good, what was last week Wednesday? Halloween, right? This is like the best Halloween story in the Bible. So I want to share a Halloween story today. It's this creepy story where there's this guy that's got his life, his life is out of control. And, and this hand appears out of nowhere at the Halloween party and starts writing on the wall with its finger. And it writes on the wall, and it's this creepy writing on the wall, you know. And here's what it says. Here's what the inscription that was written said. This is out of Daniel. 
It says, many, many tekel parson. And, and no one could understand what these weird words meant. Many, many tekel parson. But Daniel could interpret it. So here is what these words mean. Many. God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. In other words, your days are numbered. And then it goes on to say, tekel, you have been weighed on the scales of life and found wanting. In other words, your life, it just doesn't add up. It's out of balance. And if you don't make some course adjustments, he's saying it's going to be divided. So he says, our days are numbered. It's but a breath. Our lives get out of balance. And if you don't do something about it, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something in your life. And I would say that to you here as well. Wherever you're sitting, at one of our campuses here in Green Bay, maybe you're online with me today. What, if you don't do something about it, it's going to cost you something. Your days are numbered. And we only, honestly, we got a few of them left. We only know that life, it goes by quick. And we only got a few of those days left. So we need to live it in a certain way. And if we would ask the people around us, and if we'd be honest with ourselves, they would say, you know what? Something with your life is out of order. It's out of balance. And I hope you catch this today so that you can make some course adjustments in your life. Let me encourage you, as we read in the book today, to think about it. What is the most important 5%? Is it right? Is it in balance? Or is it out of balance? This is something that I am learning how to do, to prioritize time with God, time with your spouse if you're married, time with the kids, time, appropriate time for your job, and to make sure you are giving your energy in the right places, which is different than time. Energy and time are two different things. Not all of your time will be spent in the most important places, but your energy needs to be invested into the most important places. We've got to make sure we're focused in on what God has called us to do, and if not, make course adjustments. So the next thing from time that Psalm 62 gave us is this, and it's money. Our riches is what it says in Psalm 62. We all know money can cause some serious stress in our lives, right? Money can cause a lot of stress because if you don't have your money right, man, all kinds of bad things can happen in your life. So we've got to regularly look at how do we spend our money? Where do I have waste? Where am I not being generous enough? Where do I need to be more generous to? Are we on a good budget? Am I looking at how I spend my money? Dollars in and dollars out because when you make bad decisions with your finances, all kinds of life can fall apart. And this is why small groups are so important. Uh, in fact, we've made a huge shift at Celebration Church. Part of the reason why we don't have Wednesday night services anymore is we would love for you to get into a small group. And there are small groups usually taking place every semester at every single one of our campuses that would include financial studies, world-class financial studies that will help you get your finances in order. And it doesn't matter, man, if you make peanuts or you're making a ton, chances are you could use some help organizing your finances so you're doing it God's way. In your relationships, with your time, to be around others where you can take the mask off and be honest with what's going on in your life and others can help you take next steps in your life. We all need that in our lives and that's why we have small groups. That's why we have the shift on Wednesday so that you can have more time to get around people of faith that can help push you along in your journey of following God. 
It says it this way about your money in 1 Timothy. It says, but godliness with, can we all say this word together? Contentment. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. We're not going to take anything out of it. Like they're not going to load up all your things in the U-Haul and bury it with you someday, right? No U-Hauls follow hearses. It's not going to happen. Money's fine, but the love of it will mess you up. It says godliness with contentment is great gain. It goes on to say, but if, if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. So basically, think about simplifying your life. It says those who want to get rich, they can fall into all kinds of temptation and a trap that many foolish and harmful desires can plunge you, man, into this ruin and destruction. And a lot of people have experienced that in their lives. It says for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for it have wandered even from the faith and have been pierced themselves with many transgressions or griefs that, that, that money can really mess you up if it gets into the wrong place. So where, where do you find this kind of peace? So if we can have storms and Jesus said we're gonna see this trouble in our lives, where do we find peace? So as we close the message, I wanna look at some places for you to run to for peace in your life. Jeremiah, he was a guy that was familiar with pain. He was familiar with depression. In fact, he wanted to end his life. He's familiar with stress in his life. Here's, here's how Jeremiah said it. He said, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Basically, what I've presented to you here today is a crossroads. It's, it's a crossroads that's been presented over this entire series of relationships, of time, of money, that you're at a crossroads that's been presented today and you can keep going this way or when you get to the crossroad, you can take a different path. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do today is to take a different path, that you're at a crossroads. Make a decision. Take a different path. It says, it says ask for the ancient path. Basically, go back to some good old-fashioned biblical wisdom because God's way works. Can someone say amen? Amen. amen. God's way works every time. It works Look for those ancient paths. Get in the word. Read the Bible every day. Develop a good prayer life. Go to church every time the doors are open. Prioritize it. In fact, build your life around saying, I'm going to start my week on Sunday worshiping God. I'm not going to miss it. That, yeah, things come up, and we understand that, but prioritize your life around God. Go back to those ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in that. Do it, and you will find rest for your soul, amen? That's where you find the rest, so rest. So number one, if you're gonna do this, you need to live with a sense of purpose and urgency. You need to figure out what your life is all about. You need to dial into that 5% that only I can do, that no one else can take that place. And you need to be focused in there, because there's a lot of things that would come your way. But when you're living with purpose, and you're living with urgency, you know how to say no to the things you should say no to, you know how to say yes to the things you should say no to, because does this contribute to my purpose or does it not? And one of the best things that we offer you at Celebration Church, this has been part of the shift in our vision that I want you to hear, that I want you to understand. Part of the shift we've had at Celebration Church is a great way, one of the best things we offer is a place for you, a path to discover that purpose. And the four things that we want you to encounter at Celebration Church, you'll see it written on our bulletins and our worship guides. You'll see it written on the walls of all of our campuses is that one, we want you to fall in love with God. We want you to know God. We want you to pray. 
We want you to seek his face. We want you to learn how to read the Bible every day. You don't have to come to a Wednesday night service to read the Bible. Get in it. Get in the Bible. What I, I read the one-year Bible. You can buy it on Amazon for probably seven bucks. And it gives you a little bit of Old Testament, a little bit of New Testament, Psalms and a Proverbs. It'll take you 15 minutes. You can start off your day getting the word of God inside of you. If you say, Bob, I don't have 15 minutes. Well, do you have five? You could read the Psalms and the Proverbs. If you say, I don't have five, do you have about 15 seconds? That's all it would take for you to read one proverb. And I promise you, it'll change your life. You start off putting God first in your life, in your mornings. It, it'll, it'll change your life. We want you to know God because he's the one thing that can bring clarity to your life. Maybe you're here today and you don't know him. This is step number one for you. We want you to find freedom because you're all going to have to settle your yesterdays. We all have some issue. We all have some roadblock. We've all got some addiction we're dealing with. And you know what? There's more tomorrows coming, which means there's going to be more yesterdays, which means there's going to be more trouble that comes our way, which means there's going to be more freedom that needs to be found in your life. It says it this way in James 5.16. It says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. If you want to encounter freedom, if you want to encounter healing in your life, it's God that forgives you, but it's through others that you can encounter freedom, that you can experience healing. So you've got to get involved with others. And the best way that we have found to do this is to get involved in relationship with others. And that is why we have small groups, to find a group of people where you can take the mask off, where someone can help you take next steps in your journey of faith. Get involved in a group. We all need a place where we can do this, and groups are so important. Relationships like this, if you don't have it, you've got to find it in your life. And next, that you would discover your purpose, because when you know your purpose, then you can see with clarity. The decisions you need to make, all of a sudden, become clear when you understand what your purpose is. I just got back from Myanmar with 29 people, and I had the opportunity uh, to go back with Pastor Mark in December to Myanmar. He's never been there before, and uh, those kids, man, they're incredible. They prayed for my wife when she was battling cancer. They prayed for uh, Debbie Gunger when she battled cancer all those years, and they're, they're so important to, to us and to this church, and we built the Deborah Ann Gunger Music Hall there. In fact, our team that went got, be, got to be part of building it, and this building that was built in honor of Pastor Mark's wife who passed away this past December, and I had the, the invite to go back in December to dedicate the music. Music hall. Man, I was excited about doing it. And then I start going through the schedule, figuring everything out with my wife. And all of a sudden, we realize my, dad, my daughter Adderley's dance recital is on the same day I'm supposed to be gone. And as much as I love going to Myanmar, it was no question what my decision was. I got to tell my boss, I'm not going with you. <laughs> I'm going to watch my daughter dance. Because when you understand your purpose, things become clear. Your decisions in life become clear when you understand what is most important in your life. We want you to discover your purpose. Today is step one of the growth track. In fact, you could go to it as soon as church is over. The whole purpose of growth track is to do this, to help you discover why God put you on this planet so that you could be focused on the most important 5% and put your energies there. Packers don't play till tonight, so you got some time. <laughs> It's available at all, every single one of our campuses. And then lastly, so that you can make a difference. 
Because when you understand that you're making a difference in the lives of others because of what you're doing, lives are being transformed, that people are getting saved, that people are literally in heaven today because of what you're doing. You know that there are hundreds of people across all of our campuses that serve on Sundays. And do you know over the past couple months, more than 100 people have given their lives to Jesus Christ because of what you do. When you know that, you know that your life makes a difference. I tell you what, your problems become pretty small when you're living for eternity. So a couple verses as we close. Philippians, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, man, give this stuff to God. With thanksgiving, present your request to God, and it says this, when you do it, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which means, you know what? In the middle of this trial, in the middle of this stress, in the middle of this pain, it doesn't make sense. Because when you give it to God, guess what? He can guard your mind. He can guard your heart. It's supernatural. It's beyond natural. It doesn't make any sense that God can protect all of these things. He will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Let me reconnect. Do, 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 do. Boom, boom, boom. And we're in. He'll guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So you gotta put God first in your life. Matthew says it this way, and if the musicians all wanna get ready at every single one of our campuses, this is how it says it by Jesus. He says this. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And when you do that, when you put God first in your time, put God first in your money, in your day, in your relationships, you, you dial into that and everything else, the Bible says, it'll sort itself out. So the last point, if you're gonna do this, if you're gonna have peace, you've gotta understand that I've gotta keep my heart set on heaven. As the musicians begin to play, let me just tell you this. You are never going to get all of heaven right here on earth. We live in a world that's broken. There is someday coming where that loved one is going to pass. There is someday coming where that car is going to break down. Someday you are going to be detained by customs officials. (laughs) Someday you're going to battle some sort of sickness in you or in someone that you love. Someday there may be a challenge that comes into your life that you never saw coming, that you've got to work through. But if you have your eyes fixed on God, you have your eyes fixed on eternity, you will understand that, you know what? Someday I'm going there. Our team that just got back from Myanmar, these 28, 29 people, man, we saw 250 kids that get this. They don't have anything. They don't have They don't have a mom, they don't have a dad, they're orphans. They've got no money, they've got nothing to play with, they don't have an Xbox. They've been abandoned, they've been abused. A lot of them are sick. A lot of them have been neglected, thrown onto the streets. Their friends may have been sold into the sex trade. They may themselves have been victims of the sex trade. Sold into indentured servitude left to die, abandoned, forgotten. 
And these kids being in a place where they can experience the life of God and they understand joy on a level that we don't understand, that in the middle of whatever it is they're going through, listen to me, you can experience that kind of peace that they have because their eyes are fixed on heaven. A generation ago, they got this. Man, we, we've got so much at our fingertips today, we lose sight. We lose sight of the things that matter. But a generation ago, man, they got this. In fact, the songs they sang used to be about it. They would sing songs like, Some Glad Morning, When This Life Is Over, I'll Fly Away. I'll Fly Away, Oh Glory. I'll. They, would, they would sing about heaven. The generation before, they would sing about the, the time that is yet to come. They would sing about it. So Paul said this, therefore, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, these things are happening to us, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. I tell you what, if you stay focused on the thing happening to you, you will never understand that God is trying to do something in you. Don't stay focused on that external thing. Understand God is trying to do something inside of you. He said, for our light and momentary troubles, it's not going to be forever. It's just for a little while are achieving for us something greater, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So how do we get there, Paul? So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen, man, this is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Jesus, he said it this way, don't let your hearts be troubled, trust in me. That's the most important question we can ask today. Is your trust in Jesus? The promise that Jesus gave wasn't that you would escape trouble, but that you could have hope in the middle of it. Christians called it blessed hope. Or we're, 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 we sing about it. Blessed assurance. Jesus doesn't just offer a better now, although you can encounter it. He offers you a better place. And the most important question that you can make today is, are you ready to go to that place? Are you ready to be with God in eternity? Have you given your life to Jesus? I'll ask that everybody at every single one of our campuses close your eyes right now. We're going to pray a prayer. And if you've never given your life to God, this is your moment to say, God, I give my life to you. I want your peace. So would you pray this prayer after me? Everyone, everywhere, say this. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you are the son of God, that you love me so much you went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, would you do me a favor? Inside the worship guide is this connection card. Take a moment and fill it out. And if you're someone that would say, I gave my life to Jesus this morning, there's a box that you can check that says, I am committing my life to Christ. We want to know because we want to send you something in the mail that is going to help you. Ushers, you can prepare for communion and pass it out at all of our locations. And, uh, and, and campus pastors, you can take it from here.